0: Or call them today at 206-451-4220. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. Cracking podcast, Bill. Happy generic time of day to you. You have found the Bystander podcast. I am the Mr. Rogers of podcasting, Tiny Tim, and I'd like to give thanks to Sound Reaper Graphics in the Pavilion for doing all their sponsorship, as well as Blue Canary, who also has a new location in Bremerton, Washington. Hey, super excited that so many people brought in coats for the coat drive. That's awesome. I think I've passed out over a hundred coats now to homeless people on the streets, and I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you as listeners in participating in that. Um, also, you can join Patreon and support this community broadcasting little show of mine, six years running. I could use your help. <laughs> you could do it for five dollars a month on Patreon because the bystander podcast loves that money today. My guest is the incredible artist that I've um, fell in love with for multiple reasons. Um, Bill Wood. Bill, you're on the phone with me. This is my first phone podcast in the 180 podcast. I'm excited to have you. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Apologize for the uh, technical difficulties, but uh, we should get through this.
0: Yeah. Much like the political season, I got through that. I should get through this (laughs) phone call hey we undressed during the music i had a little uh six dollar t-shirt uh kool-aid what's you sporting there
1: uh, i'm wearing a cramps t-shirt
0: is that a logo that you made at all
1: no it is not uh yeah that's i think it's one i actually probably found at a swap meet somewhere or something but you know it's it serves the same effect
0: oh you, you thr- just
1: got a love the cramps
0: yeah um are you a thrifter or um swap me type guy
1: um, I am, um, my wife and I are huge antique thrift enthusiasts and I love it. actually when we get to the, when we get to the Seattle park, which there is a rather lengthy Seattle park included here. Um, yeah, I'll, I can tell you all about that because your thrift stores up there are just incredible.
0: Awesome. Hey, um, you're an incredible artist of, uh, rock posters, memorabilia, comics and sounders. Uh, I came across to you as the local artist for the Sounder posters, game day posters, stuff like that. Um, okay. So that's how I got hip to your art. You're based in LA. Um, I'm a little nervous right now because my uh, connection is buffering. So I hope that we're recording this, um, but we're going to act like everything's good. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, good. Tell me a little, little about, bit about your medium i'm an art enthusiast i do acrylics photography um, a little bit of photo manipulation Um, i'm not well versed on adobe or anything like that but i love to create and i often feel when i come across artists like yourself that it's time for me to quit step aside (laughs) and let you kick ass Um, tell me a little bit about your art background and how you got in the the current medium that you're doing
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm a Los Angeles-based visual artist. I work mainly in the sports and entertainment industries. And I realize I'd probably say Los Angeles. I mean, I probably lost half your listeners already, but please.
0: No, we love L.A. Okay,
1: okay, cool.
0: Us and Randy Randy Newman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sending love, too. Um, I mean, really, I mean, if you want to go back to the origin of it, and you can probably – You'll notice this in my artwork. I mean, it's comic books, you know. As a kid, I just grew up just loving comic books. And, you know, I think everybody our age read them, but like, I, I really paid attention and poured through them. Like, I'm looking at every panel, like it's a, you know, like a painting at an art gallery or something like that. And, uh, I think from there, I just decided I just wanted to do more of it. I would just, you know, start out by emulating my heroes and uh, just take it up from there. I ended, ended up getting a job. Uh, many years later, working in print production here in Hollywood for the motion picture industry, doing posters, um, not really too creative, but more of like, you know, that file prep guy that gets the, um, you know, the posters ready for print on press. Um, fortunately, my creative side was still able to come out and I was able to uh, start working on movie posters at that point. And from there, it just kind of just developed and just branched into different you know, areas um, of, you know, expressing my visual art. And now I've reached to the point where I can really do the stuff that like, that I really like that interests me. And that's probably the stuff you're seeing. Uh, The rock and roll posters, the movie posters, and uh, specifically the artwork for the Seattle Sounders. You said you saw the posters uh, by the people first, the poster artwork.
0: Yeah. And uh, game day, you know, I have a litany of connections with the Sounders. And, Mm. Um, you know, a lot of things come across my eyes and I was kind of noticing this abstract art. Um, I think especially like a Timbers poster where you had an elongated a football player and he's kind of like a dancer on his tippy toes. And there is oh, yeah. a certain contest that you as a creator can submit your submissions to be the game day poster for both the Seattle Seahawks or the Sounders. So you can create art and hopefully get it published. It seems like you are just knocking that out of the park and you are the only guy <laughs> can publish <laughs> because your stuff's top, top notch. And then to find out that you've done rock posters. And let me just pause for a quick second in the story is when I was a kid on my bicycle in the university district in Seattle, we used to take rock posters off telephone poles that would be glued or stapled to it. Yep. yep. And we would litter our bedrooms with this. Um, so, you awesome. know, we'd have original posters from Mud Honey and Pearl Jam and Nirvana and stuff. Um, where there's a show that we couldn't get into with, you know, maybe fifty to a hundred people watching it. But we'd always snatch as many posters as we could off telephone booth uh poles and then we'd just Restaple them up in our, our rooms and stuff like that. And then when I was into graphic arts, um, kids, bear with me here. Copy and paste. It was cut, copy and paste. You would actually cut out something with an exacto knife and paste it on a piece of paper. And it is almost like a serial killer's um, letter that they left behind, where you would make a collage and then reprint it. And then get it ready for graphic arts for, you know, whether it be a stamp or printmaking or something like that. So we were always looking for images because logos weren't as easily made back then. And I remember, and this is wh- where I really felt like I wanted to reach out to you, Bill, was you're that guy, you know, another 40 years later that is still doing those things that um, connect me to my childhood. But now you're also doing it with, soccer which is my life right so yeah. seeing alice cooper bc boys and uh, other posters that you've made i've just i gotta I got to talk to bill i gotta reach out <laughs> so i really appreciate you picking up the phone and uh, talking to me today
1: Good. yeah i mean and, and that's all very cool a lot of what you touched upon there especially with the xerox and the copy and paste i mean that's the old uh, diy punk rock philosophy right get it yeah. done you know, that's how that's not how fires were done. That's how album covers were done. That's how posters, banners, everything else was done. And, uh, I mean, for me, that's like down here in Los Angeles with, with the huge punk rock scene that we had down here. Uh, that's where a lot of my origins were too. Uh, when I wasn't doing, you know, your standard production work, I was, I was reaching for things like that, doing more DIY kind of punk rock work. And then the other thing you mentioned, uh, briefly was abstract art. And I think the connection between that style of art and soccer is undeniable because I mean, traditionally when we were kids growing up, I think that if there was like any kind of art, sports art at all, it was more like just like a player, you know, being represented in like, like a superhero or something like that. And, uh, early on in my fanship with soccer, I noticed that like the premier league teams and their fans were doing just some crazy inventive stuff with, um, match day art, like something that would resemble a rock poster. It might not even have a player on it at all. It might be this totally abstract idea, but just represented the match so perfectly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'm thinking like, why isn't anybody doing this for MLS teams? Um, And so now this is where I'm going to take a step back here, is that in 2017, I was down here in L.A. working for the company I work for, and they presented me with an opportunity uh, to relocate to Seattle for a year, uh, to go on assignment and open an office there.
0: What was the assignment?
1: uh, We were opening a new design studio, basically, a creative design studio, nothing related to the sounders at all. Mm -hmm. Um, This was just, you know, working in the business that I work in, but... At the same time, being a big soccer fan, I'd, I'd see these highlights of uh Sounders Timbers matches on ESPN, and I was just enthralled because it's like nothing like what we have down here. Those pouring down rain and massive fan support and guys pushing and chugging each other. It's just, just – I mean they just – And it was, chanting. It was Like And the chanting. And, and the was, walk to was, the
0: was, game, all that.
1: Oh, and It was like, yeah, Clint Densey it up the Reds car, like all this stuff, right? I'm just like
0: oh, – <laughs>
1: you know it, What's up, it, Deuce? It, yeah, seriously it turned into like a bucket list thing to me like I, I had no uh machinations on living in seattle at that point but i'm like i gotta do this like i gotta get up there and so when this opportunity presented itself you know i discussed it with my wife we decided to be a good idea uh, i went up there and immediately just started going to sounders matches like as many as i could and just like i said the atmosphere um I mean, I'll never forget the first time I, I'm, I'm, you know, standing out in the alley with a coworker of mine. I invited him to the match, and I hear this, this cacophony coming from down the street, like this mass, this groundswell of singing, and you know, and we see the crowd, like you know, the march to the match coming, and like I just never seen anything like it. I was totally blown away. That's all, Drew uh, Carey, by the way. Did he originate it, or
0: like- Yeah, he um, he's on the board of directors and a partial owner of the Sounders, and he said. I'm only going to put my money in this if we have a band and we have a march to the stadium and that Mm. we vote on Mm. our um, general manager and stuff. It's a fan-driven team, and uh, big kudos to him. Yeah, very
1: very traditional, and um, so both my wife and I really embrace that. I mean I guess if you went back and looked at videos from 2017, 2018, you'd see us – at the front, uh, gathering in Occidental square, holding the banner, like up in front and center. I mean, we were just all about it. Love it. Um,
0: total 90.
1: Oh, just the full 90. And so we would walk by, uh, the Sounders front offices, um, which I I believe are on the way there. Right. There's, I I don't know what the street is, but,
0: uh, it's an Occidental square and it's called total 90. You know, you give out 90% or for 90 minutes full, they've kind of, uh, I had that as a museum slash bar that you hung yeah. out to and gave a lot of stuff out. Um, since COVID, they kind of shut that down. I think they still own the space, but it's not an open mm-hmm. space now before the games, but yeah, it, it was a religion.
1: So, yeah. And so it, and it was wide open when I was there, obviously. And that's when I made the connection, you know, um, that there were fans that were doing this kind of art for MLS teams. Yeah. Because I wasn't in there and I was just, it's like something clicked i was like wow this is exactly what i was thinking of but like still like how to get there where is this coming from
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so one of the days one of the times we were at a match uh in the lobby there there they had somebody uh i think they were advertising for this posters for the people contest and that's right. like oh, okay you know what i'm just gonna throw my hat in the rain. i'm just gonna like maybe nothing will come of this maybe it will but i just so i designed like maybe four of them and just, and sent them off and said, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. And two weeks later, and I, I get an email from Sanders, congratulations, you won the, you know, the first contest, whatever one I entered. And I'm just like, Oh, I, I call my wife. She, she probably thought we won the lottery or something. We don't lottery or <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, and I was like, no, I won the poster contest. She's like, Oh, that's cool too. You know, and, how much
0: does that pay? <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, so I mean, but like I still, it was like it was a great moment, right? and, and like to be connected to a team that I cared so deeply about, like it really meant something. And long story short, like two weeks later, I get another email: "Your your next poster." And I'm like, "Wow, this is this is really incredible." And you know, by I think at the end of that season, like after the fourth poster. Um, I think both parties realized we could probably do something with this and, you know, take it to the next level. And that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, you're your household name in uh in the office at Sounders. Oh, I talked really to wow. a couple couple people and I'm like, Hell yeah, I know him. You know, I wow. know his art. I love it. And uh you know, you were talking a little bit about not even having a player, like you had some type of magic formula Einstein poster, I remember. You know, because Smetzer gets it right tactically quite a bit. Right. And then right. you also had, you embrace the snow Yeti, which is kind of controversial because that's, that's more of a Alaska thing. We have, we have Sasquatch here that Bigfoot is a driver of Seattle's economy in a lot of ways. Um, which but, I
1: found out really quick, yes. Yeah,
0: um, and there's a Bigfoot soccer tournament out in um, the north end of the state as well. Oh, no way. Where at? Uh, Snohomish.
1: Okay, okay.
0: So it's cool. It's relative. And then I saw you evolve a little bit in, you know, here's here's the mastermind, the Professor X, uh, Brian Smetzer sitting in a chair, you know, manipulating the players. So they constantly won. I mean, last season was an anomaly. We had basically had been in the playoffs, you know, the first 10 years straight. And last year was a little disappointing, but I mean, fan attendance and the commitment to community, whether it be in the band, the posters, or, you know, I don't, I don't know what LA is like in this capacity with Will Ferrell's team and stuff like that, but <laughs> we have these monster, like cloth type images that cover the entire ground of the, like the whole end zone, you know, 3,000 people are holding up a flag with some type of art, you know, numerous times during the game where it comes down from the rafters, it covers everybody and everybody doesn't mind. And it's very similar to your art. And this is on a huge scale. So, art has definitely penetrated Seattle Sounders soccer. And I really feel like, as a soccer player and a soccer fan and stuff like that, it it mimics art cuz it's a it's called the beautiful game for a reason right it's never the same it's it's always engaging it's a ch- it's a chess match it's about creativity and it's so cool that the sounders have adopted not only an art culture to it but a music culture and now going forward with their new location they'll be a, um, adopting glass um Bill O'Neill from Glass Eye Studios did the CONCACAF trophy in all glass and then made replicas Mm. for all the players of the trophy. And that glass studio will be in the stadium now. You know, a 500,000 square foot glass glass studio is going to fit into the stadium just like a hot dog vendor or anybody else because art has a place in Seattle.
1: And you basically just – Said everything that was on my mind there, and especially about the connection between soccer and art, and that it is a creative sport, and there's room for expression and individualism, and, and and all these other things that tie into it. Right? Like to me, as 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 a soccer fan, I made the connection right away that like these two things are they are and should be uh, deeply connected. And and Stephen Fry is also no as uh, and artist himself, from from what I've seen, he's a very very talented.
0: Yeah, he's. He's given to many nonprofits. Some of his art, um, he just built a three-piece home here on the island, overlooking the water. And one of the buildings is clear glass art studio. So, like, he can hold up his rendering high up on the hill above the water in the glass studio, and everybody could see it. He has one up there now. He, he's just moving into it now. He's rented for a couple years on the island while he's built his dream house but the big part of his dream house is his studio and uh you know he's he's tatted probably 75 percent of his body his entire back is an incredible piece Mm -hmm. um but he he kind of deals in geometric geometric shapes which i i can appreciate but it's definitely not my art vibe you know i i like to see some some crazy stuff lots of color uh you know, Dolly esque, Van Gogh, Picasso, those are my influences. I, I want to see something a little bit more that tells me a story as opposed to, you know, geographic or geometry shapes, I guess.
1: Something that's a bit more abstract and interpreted. Yeah, I I mean
0: Yeah, I get his art way. and the shadowing and, yeah. and the angles and all that stuff, but it's not something I want to put up. With that said, you know, he keeps enough clean sheets to make me happy.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you as a, as a visual artist, like I can't look at the Jackson Pollock painting and tell you no. The Jackson Pollock can suck them all. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm a hamburgers and hot dogs guy, right? I mean, like my favorite one of my favorite bands is The Ramones because they're simple, they're direct, the message is clear,
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: and and that's reflected in my art. I want pe- I don't want people to, to to look. Well, I mean, they can do whatever they want, but the idea is not for people to look at it and look for some deep hidden
0: meaning hidden yeah it.
1: it's just, it's it's immediate it's like the impact is there you look at it, and especially in in this day and age you've got maybe two or three seconds to hold someone's interest especially if they're thumbing through their phone on social media
0: hope you're still with us audience <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well yeah there's that but um you know it's just one of those things that i just i i want to connect directly um my stuff isn't so abstract i think it shows and the ideas that you talked about, like some of the different ones with Smets and the scientists—I mean, I have to give full credit where credit is due—are uh, are actually oftentimes collaborations between myself and the Sounders creative team. Um, so it's not like I'll just totally freestyle and come up with something. Although that happens too, uh, sometimes they'll present me with a brief and some, you know, some ideas that uh, we'll kind of brainstorm and expand upon. So I hope that kind of. Um, provides a little more insight on gotcha. the creative process and lets you know that it's more than just sometimes more than just a one man effort.
0: Who's, who's your point of contact with Sounders for that?
1: Uh, Danny Chiaccio is their social media.
0: Oh yeah. Daniel, twin. the young kid.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, um,
0: Daniel, come look me up, man. I got something for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, the, and the whole team really are just like a, they're like a font of creative inspiration. It's very um, easy. They're very easy to talk to and bounce ideas off of. They'll also tell you if something's not working or if it doesn't work for the, you know, for the team, um, you know, because it still has to be thematic to the sounders, right? Like I can't go totally off uh, a cliff. I've probably done that several times, but uh, you know, you have to stick to the, to the theme. So they're good at providing the initial spark of inspiration sometimes, and then kind of keeping me, going along the way towards creating that finished illustration.
0: What type of art do you enjoy the most?
1: Well, I probably said it already, but, uh, I mean, to me, like comic book art was what attracted me the most, mm-hmm. um, old, old classic punk rock covers and things like that. Uh, you know, for me it's a lifetime of, of comic books and say horror movies and rock and roll and all, uh, all those things that, that kind of just come together, uh, from the same kind of discipline and i think um yeah i mean i'm just reaching for something that's that's really direct and uh you know along those along those kind of lines but really comic books are where it started uh jack kirby if you're familiar with
0: yeah him, for sure he code. illustrated so many comics
1: yeah and and was just an incredibly innovative Person, right? It just so original mm-hmm. between him and Stanley, and he created the uh the look of all these characters that now they're you know making God knows how many billions off of now. But back then it was also a guy in an office just cranking out ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I would look at these uh, pictures and just be, I mean, completely inspired by him. So if I had to point to one thing, I, it would it would be classic Marvel comic books.
0: What kind of medium do you use to create these? posters
1: so this is a hundred percent digital uh, everything i do is uh, nowadays i'm working in uh, i'm using a lot of adobe illustrator mm-hmm. uh, and f- in conjunction with photoshop and again is that a huge that learning
0: to, curve i'm sorry
1: uh, i mean it can be it's one of those things right like you know easy to learn difficult to master i think i think nowadays gotcha. um they make it more inviting than they ever have before, and I, I'm I know I'm dating myself here, but like I mean I actually started on Photoshop, you know, 2.5 or whatever. It didn't have layers or anything. It was just yeah, it was a entirely separate discipline back then. Um, nowadays, it seems like Adobe's mission statement is to more like put creative tools in the hands of everybody, right? Which I fully support. I think Me too. you might think that artists are like, oh well, you know, you have to be here. Uh, you know, a staunch traditionalist about this and everything. It's like, no. no, like, no, you should, anybody should be able to create anything that's on their mind. That's the ultimate goal. That's, that's expression. Right. And, and I think Adobe does a really good job of doing that. So, um, to, to someone who's new to it, I would recommend at least, uh, you know, just giving it a trial and kick the tires and see if it works for you.
0: Yeah. Especially, and, um, cause Adobe was created out of Bainbridge Island right here on our beautiful Island. So, yeah, you know, give I it did a test. Know that.
1: Yeah. Like the the original offices were?
0: Yeah, the the founder creator I've yet to have him on the podcast, but um he is great in the community and uh, Adobe was first born out of Bainbridge Island.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So, so just so you know in the the year or so that my wife and I were able to spend in Seattle, we went Almost everywhere. I mean, everywhere we would come over here every week. That, the, and I was going to say, the one place we didn't make it to was Bridge Island. But my favorite—this is probably my favorite drive-in movie theater in the entire United States—is in uh, Bremerton. I believe it's the Rodeo Drive-in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we ended up going there a couple of times uh, and, and, and having a great time. Uh, we've, uh, yeah, like, so we we'd ended up in, you know, Leavenworth one weekend and Beautiful. driving over Mount Rainier and ended up in Yakima. And uh, we just get in the car and drive because everywhere we went was it's just a new adventure. Uh, but Bainbridge Island, I don't. I, mean,
0: I can't believe you're not a Washingtonian yet. This is a place to live. <sighs> Fresh air, green landscapes, mountains, ocean, lakes. Good
1: yeah, environment. Have, I know. I know. Totally. And that's the thing. I, I totally get it and while I was there, it was, it was hard leaving. It was, you know, it was my assignment was up, unfortunately. And, you know, I have a home here in Los Angeles and some other uh, rooted interests, but uh, I mean, there is a deep connection, you know, to Seattle and, and to the Sounders in particular. And let me digress here for a second. Is there an Andrew Wood statue in Bainbridge Island? Do I have that right?
0: No, but his mom lives in a a trailer park near me.
1: Oh, well, that's,
0: She's out walking her dog every day and full of life, and she's okay. great.
1: That's very cool. But that, that scene uh, again—that that, that music scene—you uh, know—that is the soundtrack to our lives back then, right? So, um, I, I actually—I'm actually old enough to remember down here in LA. Those some of those bands were still uh, were still club bands playing clubs.
0: Yeah, uh, Johnny you know, Evison, a great author, uh, was in a band with some of the guys from Mud Honey, and then. Mother Love Bone, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, those were all just things you got to see for $10 on Friday or Saturday night at Pioneer Square. There was 12 clubs and $10 cover. you get into all 12 clubs, and you'd run into those guys on a weekly basis somewhere.
1: Yeah. Playing I for mean, pennies. Some the, yeah, some of the bands that were more traveled. Hole. I think, I mean, Hole, yeah.
0: And yeah, you even. even? Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, like down here, we'd have, you know, like Alice in Chains would be playing English acid on a Wednesday night, but nobody knew who they were. It was like, you know, I mean, they come all the way from Seattle and they're, I mean, obviously they, they are who they are now and everybody loves them. But like back then, it was just like, you, you, you didn't know, you didn't know you were.
0: Yeah. You're all nobody you until you're somebody.
1: <laughs> you you could have witnessed history. And when we had that was actually in Los Angeles at that time, you know, I think a lot of people uh, associate that with like the Sunset Strip scene um, of the late 80s but you know I mean there was a pretty serious underground brewing here as well I and mean, Jane's Addiction was one of the premier alt-rock bands of the late 80s early 90s and, and the, you know the, the the origins of bands like uh, Rage Against the Machine and Tool and, and all of these other bands that were starting up down here too so it really wasn't all about like the Sunset Strip we had some pretty interesting bands playing down here uh, but once that Seattle scene exploded, I mean, you just...
0: Yeah, and the movie Singles kind of perpetuated it with Matt Dillon.
1: Yeah, I I saw that back in the day. I,
0: that was kind of hard. how people were living. You know, like, let's make oh, enough okay. money to pay rent and then go see a show.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: And everybody I, thought they could play the guitar.
1: <laughs> right. And if you didn't, I mean, what, what does it matter? I mean, that's, that's DIY. That's copy and paste, right? Right. Uh, you'll learn as you go along, right? that's how, how a lot of it starts. So, um, I, I totally appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen that boy, that singles movie. That's bringing back in memories. I remember having the soundtrack.
0: Mm-hmm. It's good. Sleepless in Seattle. Soundtrack's pretty good too. Um, assassins with Stallone was filmed out here on the monorail. That was kind of intense. Uh, Barfly oh, really? with, uh,
1: uh, shoot. Mickey Rourke?
0: Yeah. Mickey Rourke. That was shot out here. Um, I met River Phoenix, speaking of a uh, Sunset Strip there. He was in a movie called Dogfight where these guys were going off to war and they had one last dance um, and they made it a competition on who could bring the ugliest girl to the dance before they went off to war. And then within a matter of 24 hours, River Phoenix had fallen in love with his character and uh, then she found out through the grapevine that it was an ugly girl dance and left him. And then he had to go off to war after commiserating with all that. But yeah, River would be in, in clubs um, hanging out all the time. Just a fly on the wall. Ethan Hawk, a bunch of people have come, passed through here. It's a very celluloid, creative area. You know, it's unfortunate the Seattle Art Institute didn't survive, but that was a, a, a big um, bringer of creators, I thought too.
1: Okay. Um, I mean, and and then that, that's good to know. I mean, the, the main thing is, as an artist, I mean, no matter what situation, it's, it's just to stay inspired, though, right? No matter right. what you have to do. Well,
0: you know. that's why you want to bring creative people around you. You know, I want to talk to Bill Wood because he's out there creating and he does fabulous stuff. I want more people to know about it. I want to glean what I can, steal your good stuff and throw away your bad stuff and make it my own stuff.
1: And there's plenty of the bad stuff, too.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, have you done album
1: covers for bands? Oh, none that are probably worth mentioning. I mean, I, I did dabble in it a little bit, I want to say in the 90s. Um, I did some album covers, I want to say, for Stephen Piercy, who was the singer for Rat at one point, I believe. i I'd done some of those. Uh, and then... Yeah, and then some movie posters at the same time too. Uh, again, nothing worth mentioning. I think the first one I worked on was probably the Brendan Fraser version of George in the Jungle, which uh, I wholeheartedly encourage people not to look those up because it, <laughs> they're they're not good. Um, but you know, I mean, it's a start though. You know, again, segueing from that production role, uh, in, like into creative, you know, you have to make some kind of some concessions there. So. Uh, you know, I was just doing what I what I had to do at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I was curious because a lot of your art. I know you've done a lot of BC Boys uh, concert posters, and I felt like your art kind of uh, reflected "Licensed to Ill" cover for whatever reason. Well, that, I don't. I,
1: don't that, know. I mean that's another classic, right? I mean, yeah. I, I probably to most people you just say license to ill and you don't even have to like say oh what does that cover look like you just you know yeah you know what it is because it's it's the, and i mean again just what a what a landmark record i don't know where you were at uh, musically you know when that record dropped you know in the mid 80s but like
0: yeah, I, gra- I graduated from high school and started college in 85 so bc boys were everything to us
1: Right, but I'm saying like immediately before that, like was anybody thinking about hip hop I mean, outside of New York City was any, but was it like even a you know a catchphrase?
0: i I, th- I think uh west coast, east coast best coast, you know, and everybody in the middle files in years later,
1: yeah, i mean even but even at that time, we might have had iced tea or something this was you're we talking, yeah, like, for sure we had iced like, tea you're talking like way, way back, right, when it was still. Uh, you know I
0: mean? where they're messing <laughs> up Joan Rivers show
1: yeah. dropping the mic on Dick Clark and everything else yeah
0: right? and then all of a sudden yeah. they started playing instruments and you're like who knew
1: yeah exactly because they were just you- like
0: this whack white rap group that was trying to infiltrate it but you had to give them some type of street cred because they were Brooklyn based and then all of a sudden I would put them up there in my top 10 rappers of all time you know, regardless. And then on top of that, they have constantly evolved in their music, whether it be playing instruments or, you know, different types of sounds, getting away from it. I think a lot of uh Everlasting House of Pain, too, you know, was jump around forever and he's got that mailbox money for every NBA game for the rest of his life. But then he started playing acoustic guitar with Carlos Santana. And then he got into uh, some punk scene, you know, and now he's mm-hmm. a storyteller, acoustic guitar, uh, kind of savant, you know. So he's always developing himself, and uh, I feel like the Beastie Boys were very similar in that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, just one of one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I don't know what you think of Paul's Boutique.
0: I
2: like, I love
1: it. Ch- and When you had a last chance to listen to it, it's. It's just, it's, it's amazing, right? I mean, just from one segue to another, the sampling, uh, the dust brothers production, uh, everything else around that. But you, you mentioned them learning their instruments. I'm not sure if you're aware, but, uh, you know, years before they started, um, as a rap group, the one that we know, they were a hardcore punk group. I believe it. And, and couldn't, and couldn't play their instruments then either. I, I, I heard, I saw one critic said that they're probably the world's best rap group and the 217th best hardcore punk act and i think
0: that <laughs> described
1: it, that described it perfectly right you know uh but i guess that's part of the uh
0: well i know we were all looking for new things like we were coming out of the, the rock and roll 70s um the disco 70s and we had new wave we had punk we had scat we had rap we had hip-hop And it's much different, you know. I think of things as as mumble rap. Now there was legitimate identification in rap, and there was much like in comedy, where there's a roast battle. There was rap battles, and Mm -hmm. it was spontaneous, and it was creative, and it was skill based. And now you see all these kids just putting things on repeat and using drum machines, and then thinking they're an act and doing a hundred times better than those people that were skilled back in the day that were always searching for the new thing. Like I I remember going from uh, dancing on roller skates to break dancing. Mm-hmm. Like I, all of a sudden I had to take the skates off to be cool. But before I could shoot the duck and, you know, spin around and <laughs> get my wheels up in the air and say, Hey, Hey, Hey. And then you got the, the Michael Jackson transition basically from new wave moonwalk. to hip hop and the moonwalk comes and the, the
2: hee hee hee.
0: and the foot <laughs> kicks and stuff like that. And then it got to battle rap and then it became some, something else and it's constantly evolving. But I remember the mentality in the eighties was just to try, try, try whatever the new thing is. I don't care if I can't play guitar, maybe I'm going to go over the trombone next and, you know, I'm going to scream some punk or now I'm going to slap my knee like, Scatman Crothers and and yeah. play some folk music over the top of it or whatever, you know. And I feel like that creativity is kind of lost on today's music to some extent. Plus, this bastardized. You know, I have some friends that are artists that are really well-established, but like I reached out to somebody last week and I was like, do you know I can just use your money or uh, use your uh, music on Instagram and I can post a picture and play 30 seconds of your music? Are you getting paid from them? You know, what's the deal? You know, and he he couldn't even tell me where the money comes from anymore. And it used to be you get $10 for a record and everybody was flush. And now you get one one hundredth of a cent and everybody picks streaming. So musicians don't make the same amount of money. And now they're forced to tour later and later in life, you know, and play the same damn song every week.
1: And that's why, right? Exactly. I mean, I guess that's why you have to appreciate artists like Taylor Swift. That's, you know, I'm not really not familiar with her, her music. Again, I'm probably dating myself, but uh, you know, it sounds like. Hey,
0: if you're dating up, Taylor, you're doing all right, Bill.
1: No, no, I said I'm dating myself. There's I'm just big joking. Difference, <laughs> big difference. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, but like standing up to like the Spotify stuff and and. I've always had this kind of conflict as an artist. It's like, you know, if you listen to a song, like music means a lot to me. Obviously, music means a lot to me. If you listen to a song, and that song changes your perception, or changes your ideas, or just makes you feel good, like what is that worth? Is, is that worth a dollar twenty nine on iTunes? What is that like? Well, What's you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, I feel like it is underappreciated and undervalued these days. At the by the same token, it's never been easier for new artists to get their right stuff out there. Like I, went, I mean, in the eighties, I was playing guitar in a band down here. Uh, you needed a record contract. That was it. Like unless you want right. to go to the, the indie route, nobody wanted to do that. You know, and it was a roll of the dice. It just you know, you, it was it was very tough very challenging. So now I see the artists nowadays and yeah, I mean, they're using auto tune and everything else, but it's like, I mean, at least they're doing it. At least they're getting it out there. I I can still appreciate that. Um,
0: You don't have to go on the Johnny Carson show anymore to make it. You can just publish your own, own self worth wherever you want to.
1: Yeah. And you find the value and you tell people what it's worth. Right. Again, I, I think there was a brief phase there. I don't know if it was Radiohead or somebody where they were, putting out like a, you know, pay how much you ever, what you want for this record. This is our new record. You want to pay zero dollars. Do that. I think that was them. Mm. Um, and, and that's one thing, but then, you know, Trent Reznor, nine inch nails, he puts our record, records, like this record costs $5. That's fair. I don't want people telling other people telling me what this is worth. This is what it's worth.
0: Um, yeah. With Pearl jam and Ticketmaster. You know, I don't want to charge $350 a ticket. I want to charge 15, you know,
1: can, can you believe that, like, 30 years later, this is finally coming to the forefront? That like, maybe something will get done about it?
0: Yeah, I do. I have I have a lot of political podcasts, and I'm constantly like, what? You know, <laughs> when does change come again?
1: Yeah. It, sometimes it seems like it's very slow in coming. And I, I think specifically with the, the Ticketmaster situation, you know, it just you know i think even now the the, i guess the good thing is even the artists now are saying enough's enough right Mm -hmm. you know they're they're the fans outrage and the upswell and uh you know that's why i'm hoping something gets done but like you know i'm kind of skeptical and besides when's the last time i went to a concert honestly i'm I'm more of a club guy nowadays so
0: gotcha i went to a couple there's they're still cool they're louder though though now that i'm older (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. I just I just remember driving home from the last concert. you was going, man, I'm really tired. I don't know why. Maybe it's the.
0: I remember my oh, head just cool. thumping, just pulsing, <laughs> like, boom, 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 boom. I like I had yeah. earplugs in. What the hell? Really? So, um, yeah. Well, how many? Uh, I kind of need to wrap this up, but I have a, a plethora of questions I want to ask and get these out. Yeah. Um, how many BC boy posters have you done for concerts and have you worked with them directly or is that in in an indirect contact?
1: It's indirect. I mean, to be honest, a lot of that's fan art. Um, and I've probably done maybe, Oh gosh, I'd have to go back and look, maybe seven or so. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that sits on my hard drive too that that's never seen the light of day. I need to go back and uh, finalize some of that. But generally speaking, the bands that that give me the most inspiration are the, are the bands that I end up just doing a lot of work for, and I'll just, usually just put it out there on Instagram, or, you know, or on my website, and uh, you know, let people uh, react to it as they will. And it seems Why like don't you uh, a lot of people-
0: shout those sites out real quick?
1: Yeah, so my website is heyimbill.com, and that will uh, link you to all my social media as well as online stores and other various oddities. Um, and on Instagram, I'm at hey I'm Bill Wood. You can also usually if I get something new that really uh, you know inspired by it, I'll, uh, I'll I'll put it there first before it ends up on my website.
0: Yeah, I love Instagram. So, I,
1: you see, and yeah, here's the other thing. I mean, like, you know, social media gets a lot of, uh, I think it gets a lot of flack for its various ills and, and maybe rightfully and so, but for a visual artist, it, you can't, you can't beat it. Again, it gives us a way of
0: connecting with people. Yeah,
1: We never had that before. Like, how would you, how would you have done that? You know, b- b- before all of this, it would have been very, very hard.
0: So. It would have went to Kinkos and got a black and white copy, and you would have handed them out personally out of the trunk of your car if you had a car.
1: Yeah, the MC Hammer route, right? Just right, yeah, and I'd, Vanilla
0: yeah. Ice too. I'm selling CDs out of yeah. the back of my car. Never been richer.
1: Exactly, exactly. They all started that way. I mean, Justin Bieber too. You know, I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. roots right there, I guess. But uh yeah, I, I'm just I'm actually really thankful that that. Those uh, platforms exist for me to get artwork out there, and and to be honest, if they didn't exist, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now, and uh, you know wouldn't have had a lot of the opportunities that I did that I do have um, if it weren't for them. Mm-hmm. So, how
0: do you make your money during the day? Do you do film posters mostly, or what kind of capacity um, are you spending your days?
1: Well, so I'm a I'm a print and packaging designer actually, which is more of like the graphic design um, Mm -hmm. in that kind of a field there. So you
0: call yourself a graphic artist first and foremost?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I'm sort of making that segue right now where the visual art side has been successful enough to where. um,
0: And you have your day job and your, your private stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I do. But I think the private stuff is, is becoming, it's more into focus now because just I am able to get it out there, and there is an appreciation for it.
0: And you have an yeah. online store? That...
1: I have the online store, and, like, honestly, nothing beats having the Seattle Sounders appreciate your work. I mean, it's just, you know, it it, it increases my own visibility uh, more probably more than I could ever hope for, you know, and that splinters into other opportunities for other sports teams. Yeah. Or, brands etc like i said seahawks
0: do something very similar you know and the seahawks and sounders were connected when the sounders first came they shared an office and goals and such in the field
1: yeah i I knew they shared the field obviously um but i did not know that they were that closely connected Mm -hmm. um that that would be interesting too um to uh, see what's going on with the seahawks because again i see some nfl stuff uh, and, again, it's getting to the point now, too, where there's that, there's that artistry in it, right? Like I'm seeing that that sort of develop. I don't know if that's coming from soccer or if it's already been there. Um, but, I mean, it's definitely good to see. As an artist, I, I love seeing that.
0: It's also like the seahawk is is a bird that is very prevalent here around the ocean and you know, fishes. And uh, it's a little smaller than an eagle, but it's an active hunter. And uh, a beautiful bird that we all respect, love, and take care of its habitat. And we have a large, you know, we're basically on on native land all around here, so there's a strong connection to native art as well. So the the paths cross through graphic arts towards the Sounders or the Seahawks memorabilia in the Seahawk, and uh, I think it's only going to get bigger. And it's so sweet that. The two teams that I don't go anywhere for, I got to watch the game live <laughs> every game. I'm like, sorry, kids, you know, it's dad's <laughs> time. Let's go. Yeah, uh, yep. Is also deeply rooted in arts and history and has a, a native uh, side to it. So I understand coming from LA and just spending a year here, you might not pick up on, on the little increase, increase, uh, what's the word? centrics of the stories being told and, and the culture and stuff like that. But I think you do an excellent job in your art. I think there's a huge industry that you're just tapping into that, you know, Seattle can kind of pave the way to, you know, much, much like the music scene back in the day. It's, it's a place where celluloid and art um, can thrive and can be the standard that we set all over America. Think you're doing a great job and in tapping into something that's kind of socially iconic as as sports and music, and
1: uh, yeah, I definitely hope that's the case. And, and I know this sounds probably a bit lofty for expectations, but you know the work I'm doing for the Sounders in particular, you know. I, it's kind of meant uh, from a social media standpoint to kind of it comes and goes, right? You look at it and then you move on. But I'm, you know, I'm hoping that maybe 20, 30 years from now, you know, maybe somebody makes a book out, makes an art book out of it. Like I, that's that's my approach for start everything. making it now. I, I want it to live forever, you know. Yeah, I, I, we, that,
0: a coffee table book would be excellent.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, at the same time, I feel like we're just getting started, right? right. Like the best is definitely yet to come. Um, and as we're,
0: like, we 12 years be. into the team's history in the MLS, too. You know, it's still yeah. infant stage. And uh, so, you're one of the few people that are doing this.
1: Yeah, so how cool would it be in the future to, you know, to have, like, a some sort of an art book that commemorates this? Because it, in my experience, you know, the Sounders are on to something that no other MLS team is on to, yeah. as far as their advancement of art. Okay, so, like, other teams are doing it, and they're dipping their toes in the water, but like the sounders are all in. And as far as I can tell, they always have been. Mm-hmm. And, and that in of, of itself is amazing. And you also mentioned, you know, the Seahawks and, and the connection, you know, to the Native American communities and artwork. I, I want to say that seeing that Seahawks logo, they were an expansion team and I don't know, what was it, 76, yep. 77, or something like that. Um that was probably my first introduction to what would have been like a native American tribal art style. And I didn't even know what it was back then. Right. Like, it was just like, this is really cool. These colors and this striking logo, like how does you know, again, it's like a very young kid who's an aspiring artist. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is, but you're still thinking like, what is that? Like, where did that come from? Cause that's really cool. There's gotta be a background to it, Right. So that's how we get exposed to new ideas and cultures. It could be as something as, Innocuous is like a football helmet, you know, and you can see that and, and, and want to learn more about it. So, again, I think that's totally on the point. Uh,
0: and it's prevalent in tattooing too. You know, if you're yeah. from the PNW, the 206 out here, you have native art as your tags on your skin. You know, it's just the attractive art that you you say, Hey, I'm a local with this, you know, yeah. whether it be an orca whale or, or a bird or whatever.
1: Yeah, and another digression here, but I um, – in my time up there, I, I was a huge fan of the Western Hockey League. I'm not sure if you attended Oh, yeah, Thunderbirds. I mean, it was, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, and there's – like, talk about that logo, right? That, that very tribal Native American.
0: Shit. You still there? Hold. hey bill sorry about that uh lost connection on the on the phone there
1: oh okay yeah no problem i'm not sure where we left off i think we were talking about the seattle thunderbirds maybe
0: yeah we had just I had said Thunderbirds, and then the phone disconnected, and you were about to reply.
1: Ah, okay, yeah. So, I mean, the, we were talking about the connection to Native American art again. What, you know, what a classic logo they have. And uh, you know, my wife and I went to so many Thunderbirds games, and we went to a few Silver Tips games up in Everett, and, uh,
2: cool.
1: and it's just like the entire atmosphere of sports culture up there—it's really. I'm not sure if everybody knows about it, but they should know about it. Let me put it that way. It really needs to be, uh, it, people need to follow that, follow Seattle's lead uh, a little more in that regard, I feel like.
0: What are some of the good things about Seattle sports fans? I, I think uh, lack of being an obnoxious, drunk, fighting type crowd, like a Raiders or a Philadelphia Eagles crowd, maybe. <laughs> you know, or, yeah, yeah. or having any close rival, you know, we don't play Idaho, you know, and we don't play the trailblazers because we don't have an NBA team anymore. So as the fans say, port scum for Portland <laughs> out here, that's about the only, you know, real dig that we go
1: as It does as seem fans. like you've codified all of your passions into that Sounders-Timbers rivalry, which, you know, again, for me coming, you know, as an outsider it was a bucket list thing like i have i have to yeah. do this um and i guess from the pan, the fan perspective it's just really like you said the passion but without going too you know overboard with it um there's actually it, there was actually a ton of humor uh, th- that i actually liked it's, it's, yeah. some of the timbers and sounders fans are going back and forth and like i'd be laughing i'd be walking out of the stadium and listen to these guys like i heard one set of sounders fans they were. They were reaching over to the Timbers fans and they're making a squeezing motion with their hands and they're going, this is how you pump gas, you know, cause you, Oh uh, yeah.
0: You, <laughs> cause they're not allowed to pump I, I, their own gas in Portland.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop. I was laughing so hard. Oh my, like the, it's the, I guess the innovativeness, right? Like, well,
0: what's kind of cool is like the Vancouver, um, white caps are not too far away and mm-hmm. Portland Timbers are not too far away. So you can, Basically drive and um go to a game so i I've, I've gone to Portland a few times when Seattle's gone. I don't need to take a train or a bus with the team or pay any extra stuff um, I just go down there and it's it's been great
1: yeah and I, I mean I give them full marks for the for the stadium. I went to a few matches at Providence park it's nice. It's oh, it's really cool, right? I mean, it's like a—I I believe it's a soccer-specific stadium, and Correct. probably has been for some time now. So, uh, I mean, the atmosphere again—it's—it's it's like really cool. You can—it's the, the fans' passion; it's undeniable. And um,
0: we're about to get our own soccer-specific um, stadium at the old Long Acres uh, horse track, so we can um, share it with the the ladies' team, the Ole Rain.
1: Okay, okay, where, okay, where
0: is that at now? It's halfway between Seattle and Tacoma on Long Acres, which used to be a horse track that Boeing bought okay. back in the day, and they were going to develop it, and it never came through. So we're moving okay. out that way next year and away from the downtown Seattle stadium. Uh,
1: I, I did not know that. So and and you've, got a, the Kraken, you've got the Kraken now, too, which is just – i mean It plays
0: where the Sonics used to play. And it's that,
1: phenomenal, yeah.
0: And they're doing really well. And uh, Kraken's hot, very hot out here. People love hockey. And it's surprising, too, because it's not like we have a bunch of snow and ice where kids grow up, you know, playing (laughs) hockey hockey and stuff.
1: Well, if uh, Wayne Gretzky could plant the seed down here, anything could happen, right?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Sunshine sunshine and palm trees. So, uh, I mean, the other thing about the Kraken, though, is just talking strictly as a visual artist. I mean, talk about a home run in terms of, you know, brand identity and everything. You just see that and you just connect with, it. I need the Jersey. I need it. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing.
0: What's really cool is uh Dick's drive-in, which is a staple. Did you ever eat at Dick's?
1: I know you're, uh, look at you. See, cannot see this, right? I
0: now. can't see it. It's Dick's driving with the Kraken on it, holding up the restaurant with, in the tentacles. They have a hockey yeah. shirt on their store as well that, um, is basically the same colors as the Kraken's, and it has uh, a more developed graphic art of a Kraken holding up the, the drive in the burger joint. It, it, and it's a staple. And it talk about iconic visuals coming back up to date with the current NHL hockey team. You know, you got to get that jersey at half the price.
1: If I was a Seattle based business right now, I would be biting that style. All day long. I'm just saying
0: because Well, everybody does. You know, the the lime green or they call it rush green, I think. Um that the Seahawks and Sounders both have a little bit of. Yeah. It, it it's on your coffee cup, it's it's everywhere.
1: I noticed I definitely noticed that. That's interesting too, because when we uh opened our uh design center, the company design center up there, you know, that's one of the first things I picked up on was those 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 blue and green colors, the colors of the Seahawks and uh, uh, whoever the creator director was, I was working with at the time. I was like, "Oh no, they're already over that. They do something else." Like,
0: hey, even wine cool. bottles, their labels are those colors. You know, the gray, the blue, and the, the rush green.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, how are they over it? Because this is like, this is everywhere. This is the, this is the identity of the city. You know, right and and you see it in especially in the sports teams i mean it's just it, it's great to see everything tie together la is great too but you know you've got purple and gold for the lakers and blue and white for the dodgers and you know and it doesn't yeah. exactly tie together
0: i mean LA, la san diego san francisco there's so many you know it's not like new york where there's different boroughs but there's different cities that can all support a professional team and in seattle we're up there in the freaking corner of the the map, where am I at here? We're right here. <laughs> and uh, we've all been pushed into that upper c- corner of the Pacific Northwest. And um, there's not an opportunity to be diluted by San Francisco, San Diego, Santa Clara, oh, all that stuff, which is, they're all great cities by themselves. But now your support, your branding of a certain color or theme. Has expanded to the length of California, which is a very long state. You know, with multiple teams.
1: Okay, so that's a perfect that's a perfect touch point right there in, in the fact that Seattle sports teams started in Seattle, right? I mean, mm-hmm. where did the Lakers come from? They came from Minneapolis. Where did the Dodgers come from? They came from Brooklyn, um, and so on and so forth. I could probably name a few more examples if I right. thought hard enough about it. Um, but that's that's part of where that comes from too, is that. Uh, you know, Los Angeles in itself—I'm sure you know—is just a giant melting pot yeah. of influence and culture and, and, and all these other amazing things. But it's particularly true with the sports teams that you know not all of them necessarily were born and raised here.
0: Right, we're a melting pot, but in a and a port city, but a little bit different. You know, we don't have as much um, immigrants from uh, Spanish-speaking com- uh, countries as opposed to. Mm-hmm asian companies or asian places so we have a different type of melting pot than the the rabid fans of la
1: i think yeah and and plus just la is just like you i think you might have mentioned just very big and very flat like a lot of people come here right and there's like you know like new york has its different boroughs i mean we've got different cities you can keep going you know to to every 10 miles you're going to hit another city uh, it, it's just a great big expanse, and you know, a ton of uh, passionate sports fans as well. I mean, I've had some great times here in Los Angeles as a fan. I don't know if you. I don't I, know if you
0: I've ca- I, I came down to the Coliseum for a couple of Laker games versus the Sonics back in the day because it was okay. Back in the day, it was a ninety-nine dollars Southwest flight, so I could go yeah. straight to the Coliseum and, and get back for two hundred dollars and a ticket. And I used to get comp tickets from. The sonics for away games and such
1: oh that's yeah that's great and plus it's close to the airport and everything right it's, a, it's like in and
0: out so i i've i've felt that you know i've been around jack nicholson and those guys it's <laughs> a different head right. out there
1: <laughs> yeah it definitely is there's there is a lot of the you know the whole sunglasses and palm trees vibe and stuff and uh but i mean i've had a lot of, of, of fun galaxy matches as well i don't know if you, if you remember that iconic uh, corner kick from David Beckham, where he just curved it around straight through straight into the back of the net. Right. Against, I think it was against the Chicago fire. Uh, I, I was there like in the, you know, behind the net there basically right. with the crowd that's erupting and, you know, he's making this funny face after he scores the goal. And so I like, I'll never forget that. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, and there were, and there were plenty of those moments down here, you know, obviously the galaxy been, you know, very successful in their time.
0: L.A.F.C. as yeah. well.
1: LA. Wow, yeah. I mean,
0: my boy, uh, good. shout out to Aaron Kovar who uh, left the Sounders to go to LA for a couple seasons. And yeah, now he's yeah. some hedge fund dude. <laughs> Not the same kid. I, <laughs> I grew up watching.
1: Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Talk about a, a rocket ship to success. It, the, the funny thing is like, you remember Chivas USA that was here, right? Yeah like kind of the opposite. Like they, it seems like that franchise and I went to plenty of Chivas USA games and two and just uh, had a blast. I remember sitting there, I was in the stands with maybe or maybe 3000 people there all together, which, you know, it's a pretty big stadium. So basically nobody, and then and pouring down rain. I remember that was also odd mm-hmm. for uh, Los Angeles and just standing next to three fans that were just screaming their lungs out as if like, they were the only people in the world chanting for this team, so there's a lot of passion there. But for whatever reason, it didn't click. And then
0: I don't think it was you know. organized passion. Like we have Gorilla FC, Sounders till I die, Emerald City supporters,
1: mm.
0: where it, it's like a membership club. You get the swag. It's block seating. They bring their instruments usually in in one end zone because we have family uh, friendly seating, and then we have, you know crazies <laughs> and the crazies are but, right behind the goal and they chant they might not even watch the game the whole time they're yeah, so enamored sure. with beating the drum and singing the songs and all that good stuff
1: i i always wonder what that would be like being that one guy who's like got his back turned to the game the whole time
0: like, it, not I a fan I, <laughs> i'm sorry you're just I, a disruptor
1: <laughs> it would drive me nuts well i mean i understand you know he, he, he plays a role he or she plays a yeah. role you know an, an important conductor. role in, in with the with the ultras and, and fan support. i mean, I, t- I totally get that. But personally, if I had my back turned to goal for ninety minutes, like I'd I'd be having epileptic fits. I'd be like, What's going on here? Who's who's got possession what's what's yeah. I'm at a sporting event, right?
0: They're coming from a musician's uh stamp- <laughs> standpoint, not a soccer fan.
1: Excuse me. Yeah. Like, who has, the, who has their back turned to the event the whole time? It's, uh, you know, I'm not working security here. I paid good money to get in here, so.
0: Yeah, and if I was wa- working security, I'd be watching the whole game. <laughs> Fire <laughs> me. In the meantime, I'm getting a free seat.
1: Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. Um, we got to bounce. Uh, tell everybody your site one more time.
1: Sure, it's uh, com. I mean, that's the place to start if you want to.
0: That's where your link tree is to everything else.
1: That's it. That's
0: the link right there. I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate this conversation and and I hope we can be lifetime friends and have additional conversations down the road. Um, Thank you for your time. I do. I'm going to send you some money for that Francisco Totti poster that you did because I'm a big Roma fan. Uh, We're a family of Italians here and he's up there with Maldini you could ever do a maldini poster and uh, love to have you autograph it and then put it up here in in the studio of studio 15 productions
1: well let's definitely have a conversation i'll I'll get you hooked up on that for sure thank you my brother i really appreciate it yeah for sure anytime
0: all right you've been listening to the bystander podcast with tiny tim and bill wood a little reminder that you can support us on patreon be kind Thank you, Bill. I appreciate your time.
1: All right. You got it. Um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. That was really cool.
0: Yeah. I, I hope you can come on ag- again and talk about future projects. And uh, anytime you're in Seattle, you got a place to stay and uh, give me a shout out.
1: I appreciate that, Tim.
0: All right, brother. Take care. Take care. All right. Peace.